Welcome back to the Grace Church Members Podcast. My name is Sheena Foster, and I'm filling in for our host, Chris Rivers. With each episode, we try to address the discipleship issue in the life of Grace Church and discuss how to be more fully devoted to God. In this episode, I was encouraged by our interview with Robbie Richard, mostly through the personal and practical examples he shares about growing up in a multicultural family and how those experiences shaped his relationship with God and his view of missions. We also unpack why missions is important and essential for all believers, as well as some practical ideas to live missionally in our homes, a neighboring state, or even in another country. Okay, let's listen to this interview I have with Chris, Scott, and Robbie. Well, Robbie, it's good to see you today and be at the table with you. Man, it's great to be here. Yeah. Everyone. It's, uh, you've had some transition here at our staff, and I'm interested, we're interested in hearing more about your role and just some of the things that you're doing and how that fits within the outreach department. Yeah, so I guess August stepped into our outreach department is particularly with the international partnerships. Okay. So it was exciting. I was finishing up at Espanol, passed that on to Brandon Garcia. Mm-hmm. Um, we still attend there. I get to teach two or three times a month still. So yeah. uh, still a big part of what we're doing, but wanted to try to, you know, uh, do something else. Yeah. Um, I think uh, God's made me in a certain way where I like to be doing new things. And yeah. so, um, and Derek Nelson, uh, he, he leads the outreach department and he had reached out. He's like, Hey Robbie, what do you think about this? So actually as I started, as I stepped into it, I was also helping another uh, organization, my dad's organization outside of grace at the same time. So I've been doing both for the last uh, six months or so, okay. and um, very quickly decided it was too, a little bit too much. So, <laughs> yeah. going to focus just on what we're doing here at, at Grace. And tell us a little bit, maybe a few bullet points on what what that entails. We'll circle back to that at the end, but tell us, give us a little preview of what what kind of things you're helping our church. Yeah, so we have partners in different countries all over the world, and so when you look at our partners, we try to identify those who are already doing what they're doing in their context. Anytime we go anywhere, we're going to be outsiders, and there are insiders in, in, in um, different cultures. But you can come alongside them as outsiders and resource, equip, learn from uh, anyone who's doing that work. And unfortunately, or fortunately, the majority of the world's resources are focused where we are, whereas there's a lot of a large amount of God's church, particularly where the church is growing, Africa, Asia, Latin America, um, they're under-resourced. Mm. And so, and I'm not just talking about economic resources, I'm, I'm talking about everything. So when you think of my context, Spanish-speaking world, uh, I believe it is the most spoken language, Spanish, uh, by Christians in the world. Maybe Mandarin is more, but, you know, that's just one mm-hmm. country, right? But... Uh, the amount of resources that we have in Spanish are, you know, it's it's a small percentage of what we have in English. And so that's just one of those areas that we, you know, there's a huge lack of. Church is growing. How do you step in and, and help that? And we've gotten to do that actually through Grace in Espanol and through Grace Church as well. Awesome. So you're looking at trying to leverage some of these resources that we already have into places that need them the most and where Grace Church could be strategically partnered with other organizations. Is that that right? Yeah, that, that's a that's a good summary. So you have different different types. When you go overseas, there's there's places that have the gospel, there's places that don't have the gospel. And then the places that have the gospel, you don't know how well they've been trained uh, or what kind of resources they've had. 
So when we go in, there are rural pastors who need basic theological training. And you're saying, okay, overview Old Testament, overview of New Testament. Then there's guys who are in the main cities, you know, these massive cities, maybe not so much in Latin America, although they're big, you know, 5 million plus. You go to Asia and you're talking 10, 12, 17, 20 million people in one mm-hmm. city. And they have opportunities to study at seminaries or, or even come over uh, to the U.S. and study and go back. So they don't need necessarily the theological training. They do need organizational training, leadership training. And we actually can step into that. Uh, a lot of what we do as, as Grace Church can step into that. And then there's the other side, obviously, where um, there's people that just need help. You know, there's uh, a lot of need, uh, a lot of poverty, justice issues, refugees, immigration. I mean, the list just goes on and on. So we get to identify where we can best help identify organizations that we think is, are, are already doing a good job with that, and then see how we can partner in, in helping them do what God's called them to do or the ministry God's given them to do. Mm. So it sounds like you've had lots of experiences. So would you share um, some that have been formative and the ones that have really shaped your view of missions and outreach? Yeah, so I think just even the way that I was raised has a big impact on how I see things. And so even as I was stepping in this position, I was thinking this is the first time I think I'm on the sending end of things. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having to learn this steep learning curve for me. So I grew up in a more uh, multicultural context. Just I was born in India and then, but you know, at three or four moved to the States. And so we grew up in a time where, um, you know, is, is Dallas, Texas, it's still actually very multicultural, and um, but my parents, my dad is from India. My mom is actually white. People are like, "That's her mom," you know. They see her; she's <laughs> light-haired, um, and and so and at that time, I don't think. I mean, very rarely you would see couples that were Indian and white, and and so I grew up in that environment. And then when I was eighteen, actually, I ended up moving to Costa Rica. It was like a three-month deal, and um, at the end of that, I, I decided I didn't want to come back to the U.S. So. Figured out a way to stay there, go to school there, and uh, eventually met my wife there. And so as soon as we were out of seminary, we actually moved to another part, a very rural part of the country, and God opened up doors. We planted a church. Uh, it wasn't intentional. It was just a Bible study, and it started growing. Her family also, um, her brother-in-law does church planting up and down the coast of Costa Rica. And so we got to just experience a lot of that. And then... Also, my, part of my childhood as I grew up, like I mentioned that my father has a ministry where he, he travels quite a bit, does pastoral training. So we would get to go once a year on a trip with him. Mm. And so we got to see a lot, uh, a lot of the culture shock that comes being exposed to just different environments, um, completely different languages, food, all that. It was just a very normal part of of our mm-hmm. upbringing. So we'd go over, I mean, even just growing up in Dallas, we'd run over to my aunt's house and have whatever, crab curry, something like that. And then we're coming back and we're having McDonald's. So it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's very, very, it's just very normal for us to switch back and forth between cultures and then getting to travel quite a bit. Um, that was, that was just part of the experience. So I actually, a lot of times feel more comfortable outside of the U S or in an uncomfortable mm-hmm. um, environment because of that. I was thinking a couple of weeks ago, so I, I got to be in India. It was the first time after like 12 years. And I was thinking, the place where I look 
the most like the people around me is the where I'm the farthest right. <laughs> culturally from. Sure. The culture where I f- feel most comfortable, which is probably Hispanic culture. Like I still sound like a foreigner to them, probably right. in some in some sense. And then the culture I actually grew up in, I look probably the most different. So I mean, it's uh, just a way that I think. As a kid, um, it affected me quite a bit. Yeah. And now looking back, uh, it's a huge blessing. And you are a, a man without a country for sure. <laughs> and just um, because a lot of us have not had the same kind of international travel experience, just tick off a few places that you've been able to see and, and that people might be like, oh, really? Wow, that's yeah. that's great. So just thinking about some of my – so Ethiopia – uh, it's very, very close to my heart. I um, I was there for about six weeks when I was about 17 years old. A friend and I went over, and um, it was a really great experience. And we were uh, eastern Ethiopia, so close to Somalia. Okay. And at that time, is early 2000s, um, they're still coming out of whatever you would call that kind of government at that time. Yeah. Or not government, non-government. So that area, East East Africa, is very close. Not long, well, now it's a bit, probably about 10 years ago, I got to go to Myanmar, which is Burma. My grandfather was actually Burmese. He was from Myanmar. Mm. And so I got to go back and um, be a part of that. So that, that was really interesting yeah. um, to see all that. And that's more of a Buddhist area. And then uh, different parts of India, but particularly there's a northeast uh, where, you know, you have Nepal, you have Bhutan, you have China. And then you have India. So the Indians there actually look Chinese. And it was an amazing experience. We flew out to this place. So you have to get a visa to go into this other state in India. So it's called Imphal. And so even my dad, who's very Indian, he looked like a foreigner on the plane wow. <laughs> when we went in there. And then we drove like 10 hours up into the mountains. And you go out there and you're like, what in the world are you going to be doing out yeah. here? And there were 40,000 uh, youth from all the churches in the area. Oh my gosh! And they get together once every five years and have like a singing competition between the different churches. So you get up on the stage and the, their their seats are these. There's it's like a wooden plank on metal tubing, and it's just rows forty thousand kids like that. And then they, I mean, it was it was amazing, amazing worship. I just remember there was this little girl. She was probably like four and a half feet tall, and she built it out it in English. This one sorry, I was like, man, this is amazing, amazing <laughs> voice and everything. So, and then uh, South America, Central America, has right. been spent a lot of time there. So Costa Rica, obviously, my wife's from there, and uh, very, very close to, to our hearts. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So taking a step back, when we think about this insider-outsider language, um, a lot of us do feel like outsiders, particularly just some of the stories you just told. And I think that works against us when we really connect on a, on a heart level to why is missions important? I mean, I think that's just an interesting question. It seems like a nice thing for some people to go do, but is it essential for all believers? And if so, why? Help us understand. Yeah. So when you look at scriptures, God is a God who, what we would call, um, he, he has his mission. Mm-hmm. So he is he's redeeming a people for himself and he's restoring creation. So you have all of scriptures, you look at the first two chapters, you have the last two chapters. Those the world's perfect in those four chapters. And yeah. between then and in our time, everything is, is a mess. Yeah. And so he's, that's what he's doing during that time. He's restoring creation and redeeming a people. And so you can see from the very beginning, you know, you have the fall, Genesis chapter 3. 
that's a global, that's, that's universal. That is all of creation. That is all of humankind is included. That. So the solution needs to be global and universal. And so you start to see that, uh, he, he begins, you know, working through Noah, he redeems that, or he, he rescues that family from, uh, from the flood. And then you get to Genesis chapter 12, where he calls Abraham and literally in the call, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation, but he says, you will be a blessing to all the other nations. Mm. And so uh, from the beginning, especially in the Old Testament, you see that he's decided to work through a people. But it's through this people, who eventually becomes uh, Israel, uh, he is bringing people, the rest of the nations, to himself. Yeah. So um, physics, language, I don't know if I say it right, but centripetal force. Yeah, centripetal it's, force. It's tending towards the center. That's what you see in the Old Testament. You have Israel in the, in the promised land. You have the temple. Uh, you have the most high, uh, holy place, the high, um, how do you say that? Yeah, most holy place. Yeah, most holy place. And then um, you're bringing them all into, you know, you bring the nations into this people that God has created. Right. You see all the prophets, and, and even during that time, though, the prophets, they're, they're calling Israel to repentance, but they're also including the other nations there. Right. Um, in the Psalms, Psalm 67 Face, you know, may his face shine down upon us, so that his nation or the nations would know his ways, mm-hmm. so that they uh, his salvation would be known amongst the the earth, mm-hmm. and um, and so they fail though, and uh, he sends his son, and we see this throughout, you know, all of the New Testament, especially the the word sent, and that's where um, our word eventually missionary comes from, or missions comes from, is sent. But you see, uh, he sends his son, and then the the force kind of changes from centripetal to centrifugal. It's going outwards. Uh, it's okay. going outwards. Yeah. And so you have these, uh, you know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus saying, hey, I'm going to send you. Um, we'll see in John, uh, John 21, I think, um, as, a, as he has sent me, I'm going to send you. And then obviously the what we know as the Great Commission, Matthew 28, um, you know, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching, baptizing, and then he says, I'll be with you throughout the age. So his, his, his authority is the foundation for us going. We are sent as his disciple makers. And then he says, no, and I'm going to be with you during mm. this time. And then you see that all played out, what that looks like in the local church through Paul's epistles. And then obviously um, Revelation is the end of that mission. And we see how God finally restores his creation and how he redeems his people. So... Missions in itself, that is, we are a sent people. They exist because there are people who are not part of God's people. Right. So missions exist because lost people exist. And when you look at the amount of people in the world right now, 8 billion people. Mm. And I think even when I was growing up in the you know, late 80s, 90s, was it 4 or 5 billion? There's right. now 8 billion people. Right. Um, I don't have all the stats on, on how many people never get to hear the gospel but um, that's why we, if we say, if we say that this is an exclusive truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and life, said, said Jesus. I am the light of the world, where he's making these exclusive tra- um, claims. If we say that we believe that, then we have to say, okay, this person that does not believe it is not going to have the opportunity or access that Jesus provides mm. to the Father. Mm. And so that, that should be our, yeah. our motivation. So for God so loved the world... The world that he gave his only son and so part of the expression of god's love for the world is using 
us as believers, as sent ones out to share that message to the world. Yeah. So you have, you have God's mission, what he's doing in the world. And then you have um, what we call missions. And uh, there's a lot of baggage with missions. So you can go back and look, you know, when the missions movement started, William Carey, late 1700s, throughout the 1800s, we have all these romantic stories mm-hmm. of uh, people who go and give their lives right. and, you know, they travel with their coffins and very few people right. uh, would, would do that. But then you also have, you know, our context right now, short-term missions and missions trips, which there's a huge range of what we actually do on those uh, trips. But, you know, a lot of times they're, they're not particularly helpful and uh, they cost a lot of money and, um, you know, not, not what we would call maybe effective. Why do you say that? In what they're doing. Well, uh, for example, say that we are going to go help a church and they need to help uh, build some, build a wall around the church or something like that. So we spend, you know, okay, it's, um, let's say $1,000 a ticket, $300 in country, 1300 bucks, 25 people to go down. I don't know what that's, that's like. It's a lot of money. Yeah. $35,000 to go build a wall around the church. They could probably pay the local guy, you know, yeah. 500 bucks, 750 bucks, and they get it done. But on the other hand, I would say that there is a cost to our discipleship and going. So this is so when we talk about short-term missions, we're looking at the how we are discipling our people when we go. Mm. Because when we go, that's when you're getting put into situations that you're not going to get to anywhere maybe here. Mm-hmm. When you have to go into a house that smells funny, they offer you rice and beans, coffee, there's a fly fighting the co- and you know floating the coffee and then they're speaking a different language to you and then you have to whatever share the gospel and they could easily say no, they could say yes. I mean, you don't get that experience most of the time here. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe working with refugees or, or immigrants, and you, you create that relationship here. But that's, that's not going to happen. But overall, short-term missions has got a bad rap because of certain, certain things that we've done in the past. But a lot of people think, okay, it's, uh, missions is just going, doing something for a little bit, and then coming back. And so there's a lot of baggage with, with the word missions, mm. though it still comes from the idea of being sent mm. to accomplish a task. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, is that, that missions actually comes from a Latin word. The, the Greek word is apostolos, which is to send, or that's where you get your apostles from. Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, that's, it's, it's going, I would say, going to a different culture and... For me, I like to give priority to the the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. We are not just uh, the church is not just another NGO. It's not just a, another relief organization. If we do not speak the gospel, if we do not preach the gospel, then you know there's plenty of organizations that can do that. Right. And so um, that's missions. So you have God's mission. You have missions, and then you have uh, it's a good word I think is living on mission or living mm-hmm. a missional life, and that's what we do. We try to do all day, every day, right. where we are trying to participate in God's mission wherever we're we're at. And I think we can do that here. We do that overseas. That's just how that's as as Christians. That should be our guiding um, framework yeah. for how we live. And it, I take a little bit of comfort in the disciples when when they're trying to figure all this out, right? And they're even sitting with the risen Jesus. So so imagine what that was like, you know, watching him. Um, you know, be crucified and then seeing him raised from the dead and then he's sitting with them and they're still trying to figure out this great plan of God. And so the question in Acts chapter one, they ask is, hey, when are you going to, you know, 
restore Israel and overthrow Rome. And so they're, they're very much thinking about their present situation. And he's like, hey, that's none of your business, right? But here's what I have for you, you know, and you're going to go and you're going to be my witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. So I take a lot of comfort that even the disciples who were sitting with the risen Jesus were still trying to figure out what God's plan is for this world. And they were caught up in our own in their own circumstances. And I do feel like that as the American church, we get caught up in our own circumstances. And God's like, hey, don't don't worry about that. Here's what I have for you. You know, I've given you power to go on this mission. So what would you say, you know, pastorally to if the if if there's someone in our church that's not really engaged in, in missional thinking, missional living, not so much going overseas, but just in the way that they think about being sent, uh, as you just described missions, what are they missing out on, Robbie? Yeah, so um, I think it's Matthew six thirty three: Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Oh, live righteously, he'll, he'll add everything else unto you. So the idea of seeking, that's that's... It becomes our highest desire within our hearts is the kingdom of God. Mm. And so even as we go, whether it's here or, or elsewhere, what we're trying to do is we're not, we're not trying to just um, go and, and say, hey, you people need to accept Jesus as your Lord. Right. I think that's been one of the faults. You, you go where the church is going, uh, where, the, where the church is growing, Africa, Asia, Latin America. You go here and you, you find that there's been a... A minimizing of the gospel to the point of if you accept Jesus, then your life gets better or something like that. Instead of it's being a, like a, a call to arms, hey, come with us and seek the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and live righteously here, and all that other stuff will be taken care of. Right. And so I think um, we got to move off of the oh, I need to convert this this person or feel that pressure that we put on ourselves. We've got to convert mm-hmm. uh, these people, and it's more like. Hey, no, come be a part of what God's doing in the world, and um, what um, you know, be a part of His His kingdom. So, as we seek the kingdom of God, we invite others to seek the kingdom of God mm. with us. So, so it think, should be a natural overflow of what we're doing in our devotion to God. Like anyways. if we're if we're pursuing God, heart, soul, mind, strength, and loving our neighbor, then this missional aspect is just it's it would be hard not to do it. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean this. It's it should be that should be our realm of natural living. Just what mm-hmm. comes what comes out of it. Yeah. What is the benefit you have experienced in being part of being sent in this way that we that we need to know that that are important for us to know? So I think the the biggest one for me is that when you are in these different situations, different contexts, you, you can't control them. Mm. And so you really have to depend on God in them. So we are very used to living in a bubble, and I mean, all of us, of being able to know what's going on. Like, literally, we know what's going on. We know how to uh, work within the system. Mm-hmm. So, like, when we moved back up, or when I moved to the U.S., brought my wife up here, she had never worked with insurance because we don't use that down there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's there's uh, things that you have to deal with that you would never have thought of. Like, uh, I mean... Turn even, on the internet. Well, I mean, 
we're not that far behind. <laughs> but there, there are certain things that seem so normal for us. Yeah. Right. The ease of going to the store, right. going to the DMV, and it literally takes only like an hour and a half instead of a whole day, and right. then having to go back, like all that stuff. Or buying buying a, a 10 days worth of groceries. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, like, and being able to put it in the fridge, and right. you, you don't have to worry about power going out probably. Right. It's, it's just life here is very easy. And so you yeah. get put in these situations. But I will say, I come, at least I, I really enjoy it. After about two days, first day when you're doing bucket showers, you're like, this is really weird. By the third day, you're like, oh, this is completely normal. <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah, this is what you do. And, and so that, that type of thing, um, you, you get to see God's um, his sustenance, how he mm. provides, how he's just uh, forming and shaping you. So that's a big deal as far as being um, sent. So like when you go on a short-term trip, that is when I would hope that most of your hearts are open to listening what God is doing in your in your in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a He matures you. I think you're with a team, so you have to work with others. And I think um, it's just uh, like a, a catalyst experience mm-hmm. or a, or an incubator experience. Right. And um, one of the saddest parts of the short-term side of things when you come back, and it's so easy to fall back into um, previous habits. So that's, I mean, it's just, it's just part, of, mm-hmm. part of the travel. Yeah, that's good. So, Robbie, as you think about, um, you know, missions, there is some complicated history. Um, what, are, what are some of the downsides? What are some of the things that have um, defined mission, missions in a negative light over the years? Yeah. So I think probably the three big ones are, you know, the critique of colonialism. And, I mean, it's for real. A lot of uh, missionaries uh, were sent by nations and, you know, they brought certain things from their countries into mm-hmm. uh, politically <laughs> into these other countries. Or as they brought civilization, those are within air quotes, uh, civilization to these countries, then, you know, it, it would devastatingly affect. And, and obviously going back... Uh, it, there's always um, probably ungodly motives in, sure. in what we do, and so that that could be one. Waste of resources is another one, mm. and then um, it, frankly, the wrong a lot of wrong people have been sent. Mm. A lot of uh, people who don't need to be sent. I mean, I'm, uh, churches that well, we won't hire this person, but we'll send them to another country right, <laughs> to go right. do ministry there, <laughs> mess them up over there. I mean, it, wow. you get you get you get into these places and uh, people who are probably not. Uh, don't have the highest levels of emotional intelligence right. or cultural ad- adaptability. Yeah. And so you start to see even a lot of times you go into these countries and, you know, there's, there's a area where the missionaries live and that's looks different and it's mm-hmm. manicured lawns and the houses are different. And, uh, you know, they all have people who work for them in their house. And, and, and I mean, it's cheaper there probably right. much, much less to, to have someone doing all that, but no one else that they're serving has that. And so it can come with certain negative connotations. And then the mentality, a lot of times that people go over there with can be very uh, demeaning for for the locals. And because of that, I think, uh, I mean, it creates all kinds of uh, dependency and, but as well, just uh, churches that aren't, aren't healthy. So thinking about this going all the way back to this, theological foundation you laid of what does it mean to love brothers and sisters in Christ that just look differently, live in a different place, speak a different language. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't, you got to have that in order to be an effective messenger of being a sent one. Yeah. So you invite people over to your house for dinner, 
you say, hey, let's come at six o'clock. They come at eight thirty, and between six and eight thirty, you're like, you're all, you're upset. You're like, what are these people doing? Mm. And that in itself, that that mindset, what are these people doing? Mm-hmm. This you're that's demeaning them and their culture. For them, it's com- something completely normal, mm-hmm. and it's actually probably it doesn't even cross their cross mind, mind that they're being disrespectful. But we, as, as from American culture, we're thinking, oh, that's so disrespectful. Yeah, what you know, and we start. Uh, thinking down about them, yeah. And so that that over time, those frustrations over time, they build up and they can they can affect us. Mm. Yeah. To, to circle back on the idea of help and what members of Grace Church can provide in a mission opportunity, can you unpack that again? Yeah. So if you talk about the church, and I think I said this in a sermon recently, but every community either has a local church that's serving the community, or they need a local church to serve the, the community. Mm. And so if we're going to help a local church that is serving their community, um, it needs to be healthy. But the local church is not going to be healthy unless the pastor is healthy. And so that's why we focus so much on pastoral training. However, as most of us know, just consuming information, mm. biblical information, that mm-hmm. doesn't determine the health of your soul as, as a pastor even. It'll give you a lot of information. You can teach from the Bible. But if, if you don't have the spiritual health dynamic within you, then you can't really produce health within your church. And so you see that a lot. You see that with a lot because even if there are, say, a seminary in the city or something like that, um, very few of those seminaries, and I'd probably say a lot of the, few of the seminaries here in the U.S. really develop that, uh, that side of mm-hmm. how do I lead myself? How do I lead my family? Right. How do I lead... Uh, and I know, although it's it's the church, but there's an organizational administrative aspect to the church. And so um, I think that we, because it's one of our strengths here at Grace Church, we can go, yes, we can teach overview of Old Testament, mm-hmm. we can teach the gospel of, of Mark, whatever it is, we can teach all that, but we can also bring some of our expertise that we have here, whether it's through our gender studies, whether it's through... Uh, some of the you know leadership values, whatever it is that we are trying to mm-hmm. uh, to do, we could probably obviously there has to be contextualization and and mm-hmm. translation, but we can probably bring that to leaders and pastors in their churches so that they can also strengthen that other side mm-hmm. of of mm-hmm. what their leadership really is. And we've we've been able to see that even within Grace Church in Espanol. You know, my wife does all that stuff for Azair in mm-hmm. in Spanish. And um, it's getting a lot of traction over places where in places where we haven't even been. It's just yeah. you know it, it's good material mm. that um, fills the need that mm-hmm. that they are feeling right now. Mm. I know that I have grown and been humbled as a Christian because of the opportunities the church has given me to go, whether it is just in somewhere in the state or somewhere in the city or even out of the country. And so I wonder what are two to three practical things that our church members can do to become global Christians? So I think first and most basic is just uh, general awareness of what's going on in the world. I don't like watching the news, mm. but I do get like a weekly summary email of what's going on more globally, more than, mm-hmm. more than here in the U.S., um, there's a guy, his name is Justin Long. We can we can put it somewhere in the notes. You can subscribe to his email. And he kind of curates articles from all over the world about what's going on in the world and then gives it a missions bent to it. And it's, it's, it's pretty helpful. I think also um, it's probably 
one of the better courses. There's a course called Perspectives, mm-hmm. and it's given in a bunch of different churches probably here and there. You can just go to, I think it's perspectives.org and, and look that up. But it's a, it's a long course that'll, that'll walk you through the scriptures, and, and I think we would agree with most of what they say. Sure. <laughs> but um, I, I think it's, it's good, and, and it would move people towards um, mm-hmm. serving in different cultures. I think um, obviously going on a, a short-term trip with us, I think um, that's a given, and we want to try to help facilitate that. We do have our partners, and when we talk with our partners, we let them know part of their responsibility is helping us disciple our people as mm-hmm. we go over there, um, and that's something new for most of them. They're they're not used to that kind of uh, that level of partnership, mm-hmm. and we that's one of the reasons we we want to partner with them. Um, there's plenty of places to get involved here, even in other cultures. So I always invite, if you want to go experience something different, go to Grace in Espanol. You'll mm-hmm. experience something different and welcoming, and it won't be completely foreign, but it'll, you know, you have to sit there in a yeah. service that has another another language going Yeah, because you have, how many countries did last count represent? I think it was like 18 or 19 different <laughs> countries. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty amazing. It's, it's, um, it's pretty cool. And then um, refugee ministries. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Laura Hornby with uh, iFace. Uh, she's uh, joined with them, and they they're with all immigrants. But she's also worked with World Relief and the refugee uh, families that they're bringing in. And I think we have some of those families at uh, Front Porch Housing, so you can always go and serve with them. And you know, something that's very helpful is just go have some tea or coffee and just sit and listen to their mm-hmm. experiences. It's um, it's pretty amazing. You'll you'll learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I think if, you know, as you're doing this and God begins to lead you and, and prompt you towards something, hey, maybe it's something more long-term, then I think that's also something that we shouldn't ignore. Even whatever, no matter what the cost is for us over here, mm-hmm. I think it's something to explore. And we want to help. We don't have a defined process here in Grace yet. That's one of the things I would like to do is, yeah. is come up with a defined process. But we would love to to help you. And so that, I mean, that just starts going to your campus pastor, uh, your responsible pastor, and, and asking him about it. But I think um, there's there's plenty of opportunities for us to to figure out what God has given us to do as a ministry. And, mm-hmm. and not everybody's going to go, but you can you can pray for people who go. You can connect with missionaries. You can support missionaries financially. That's, that's such a huge mm-hmm. uh, need, and God really does multiply um, what we give for those people. And for, it's for His work. It's for His mission. So, mm-hmm. The word that comes to my mind is just being curious. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're curious about what is God doing in this world, you know, and we go to the scriptures and we see what this is outlined for us. This is his plan all the time. And then as that curiosity grows, you know, there's one thing about being sent and being a global Christian, but then by nature of living here, even living here in the upstate, the nations have come to us. Like you said, all, all over the, all over the place. There are folks from different cultures and are we curious about where they're from and how God has worked in their lives and just taking the time to share a cup of coffee, share a meal. And, but I think it begins from a, from a place of being, being curious and seeing the world as God sees the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, it's a fine balance, curiosity, and then getting overwhelmed by everything that's kind of Mm, happening. Good word. Yeah. So you can like right now uh, in Sudan, there's a huge war that's broken out and he, and you, I read it and I'm like, man, I can't, can't do anything about that mm. and there's plenty of christians there mm-hmm. um right now um honduras el salvador guatemala is 
it doesn't get much news, but it's almost like a war zone just because of the gangs and that kind of stuff. And so mm. millions of people, not millions, but thousands of people are trying to get, well, millions are probably trying to flee. Thousands right. are trying to come to the U.S. And that brings a whole lot of other sure. you know, right. uh, issues with it. So it's, it's hard to not get overwhelmed. But uh, I think what you said about you know, trusting God, he's doing things. He's moving people. So people come here to the U.S. and for the first time get to hear about Jesus. Wow. So God brought them through probably what we can't even imagine for them to get to hear about Jesus and what he does. So it's just, it's amazing. I I, I think, you know, in the past it's been the West to the rest as far as missions go. And we really, you know, anyone to anywhere at any time is kind of what we need to be thinking about. Mm. So. Oh, that's great. Well, Robbie, thanks so much for sharing. It's been a great, it's been time with you. Appreciate all the things that you've shared. Yeah. Great to be here with you guys. Yeah. Thanks, man. Okay. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. We realize that listening to a podcast episode can be an individual experience, which we believe is only enhanced by talking through it and applying it to life. And this is something that we believe lots of people don't naturally seek out or have built into their lives. So we want to encourage you to share this episode with someone else and ask them to share with you any takeaways they receive from listening. Be prepared to do the same and approach their feedback with a posture to learn and apply. This is a great way to move towards this discipleship issue. Also, Robbie mentioned that if you are interested in serving long-term cross-culturally, he would love to meet personally with you, and we are providing his email in the show notes. So, if you want to reach out to him, have questions, or want access to additional resources, be sure to check out the podcast page located in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to joining you on the next episode.